This is the Squared Goal Podcast with Mark Morris and Jared Maruyama. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Squared Co. Podcast. I am your host, Mark Morris, and with me again, Mr. Jared Mariyama. Oh, wow, that's great. What a great intro. There, yeah. there it is. Yeah. Um, today, we have a guest on by the name of Benjamin Birch. Um, he is a fellow Wonderground artist. You can see his work up there mm-hmm. um, on display and he is going to be participating in Squared Co.'s next gallery show, which is Cute Couples. Um, if you're not tired of hearing about this show, that means you haven't listened to the past four or five episodes. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and give you guys the same spiel that I have with all the other ones. Cute Couples is our next gallery show. It will be held um, at the Doe and Arrow store in Costa Mesa. If you follow us on social media, that is Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Squared Co., you can find out um, all the details there. But it will the opening reception will be on February 10th, and then it will be up on display at Doe and Arrow for the rest of the month. Jared has three pieces in the show, and That's I right. have... Yes. Well, as this is at, at the time of this recording, there are zero M squared pieces. Oh um, but gosh. by the time of the show, there will be probably one. Hmm. Interesting. Well, good. I'm glad you're getting at least that one uh, done. Probably. A lot of um, we're starting <laughs> to see a lot of the images. We've been previewing them. The artists themselves have been previewing some of the images, and yes, it's a good mix of uh, some different subjects that I I wouldn't have expected. (laughs) Yeah. So it's good. We're getting a nice variety. So I can't wait to see the whole show. That's what I like about shows like this. It's, you know, there's so many different ways you can take it. So it's interesting Mm -hmm. to see what people come up with. Yeah, definitely. But if you can't make that show on February 10th, uh, head on over to Disney World. I will be at the Epcot International (laughs) Festival of the Arts, uh, February 9th through the 13th, doing signings at both the festival in World Showcase there and at Wonderground Gallery in Disney Springs. Um, so if you get a chance, come by, visit my website. I'll post all the dates and the, well, not the dates, but the specific times that I'll be there on those dates. Um, and I hope to see a lot of people there. I only go to Florida maybe once a year. So uh, this is the time to catch me if you're in that Florida area. peeps, mm-hmm. East Coast peeps. There you go. Absolutely. Um, so what? You're, what's the dates that you're there? It's it's a few days, right? It's February 9th through the 13th. I will be the, at the festival each okay, one of those so days. February 10th, go to Doe and Arrow, and then you get on a plane right. for same the day. next day or same right. day. And then you go ahead and see Jared uh, in Florida. So right. that way you hit all of the Squared Coast shows. Um, um, but before, sorry, Jared. Go no, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say uh, with Ben, Benjamin, it was great talking to him. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. He has a, as we found out on this episode, he has a varied <laughs> career. Uh, and we kind yes. of, we kind of bounce around a lot to t- and touch on a few different sort of eras of his career. Uh, so I, I hope you can follow along. It was an interesting conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so we jumped around quite a bit with yes. his uh, history. 
Um, but before I jump, we jump into that conversation. There is one thing, if you're listening to this on release week, you probably have, there's a few days left for my personal design on Cotton Bureau. Um, right. I have a t-shirt up. It's a Los Angeles design. Um, and it's, it's just, oh man, yeah. having a hard time here. I know. It's, it's very difficult for me to talk about my own work. Oh um, geez, get over but, it. But uh, <laughs> it's, I, I would really appreciate if you at least give it um, a look. If you're from SoCal, you could definitely appreciate it for uh, what it being a city <laughs> near where you live. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Oh man, totally not editing shirt. any no, of this it's out. It's a great so. shirt. It has kind of like an <laughs> 80s vibe, which I really like. And it's got, I think I saw it in that initial gray, that, that sort of charcoal gray. Uh, but then right. you also have it in that, what do you call that? Like blue? a royal blue. Right. Well, so because it's it says Los Angeles mm-hmm. and two of the LA teams have like a red, white, and blue um, color palette. So the Dodgers mm-hmm. and the Clippers. So I thought it would be... You know, if you're a fan of those teams, it would be a cool shirt to wear. Covering to show all your, your bases. Yeah. Well, so, it's like, it's a cool, it's not, it doesn't have their logo, so mm-hmm. it's not heavily branded. It's kind of like a, a nod to those teams. Or if you're visiting and you need to get gifts for everybody, why not pick up one of these? <laughs> there you go. Um, but it it got um, picked up, though, right? It will be produced. Is that correct? Right. So the way that Cotton Bureau works is they they curate the designs that will be available for purchase, but they don't print any unless they get mm-hmm. um, 12 T-shirt sales. So you have to sell 12 in order for it to print. I think my design's at 13 right now. So if you do make a purchase, you will get the shirt. Yeah. So if you are oh. interested in it, it is still available for a few more days. We have it on our um, websites. I have it on uh, the Facebook page and uh, Twitter and stuff. So it's everywhere. Just go to our sites and, and check we'll it leave out. Leave it. Yeah. Yes. Um, but all right. Enough rambling. Enough promo for us today. <laughs> this is uh, Benjamin Birch's episode. Here he is. Without further ado, enjoy. Welcome to the Squared Co. Podcast, Benjamin Birch. What's going on, Ben? Hey, hey, how are you guys doing? Good. (laughs) Um, We are here for... (laughs) Are you with us, Mark? Are you with us? I'm already fumbling. Um, Okay, so if you've listened to the last few episodes, you know that... I think it's everyone for the new year. You can correct me if I'm wrong, Jared. Mm. But we've we've ended each episode with a little game. Oh, oh, oh um, we're going right like into the this. rapid fire thing. So mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna switch it and see how it works at the front. So, uh, Jared, why don't you explain to our guest what's going to happen? So you're lucky, Ben, because this is something fairly new for us. <laughs> um, so we just have a bunch of random questions. Wait a um, minute. You guys didn't tell me about this. I, of course not. This is the fun <laughs> surprise part of it. Uh, so what I'm going to have you do, I have a list of 20 questions here. I'm going to have you pick any five numbers between one and 20. And those are going to be your questions to start off the show. Just like a little icebreaker thing, a little silly question. So we get to know you. Uh, just a well, little bit before so we get started. Well, so we might do a little different since it's at the beginning. Oh, okay. Um, well, so 
Surprise to you. When we Jared. do it at the yeah. When we do it at the end, it's always like really quick answers. Sometimes. Well, I, I mean, I yeah. Right, right, right. So we we might milk it a little bit more since we have time up front. But um, Thank feel you. free to give as long of answers as you want, uh, Ben, or <laughs> give them short. So yes. All right, Thank I'm done. I'm done. Let's go. Thank you Jared, for the scheduled spontaneity off. there, Mark. All right, so <laughs> Ben, all we need from you is to give us a. We can. You can do this as we go here. So give me a number between one and 20. Five. All righty. Number five. Uh, what were you obsessed with as a kid? This is a great one. Was there something <laughs> that you like collected or you loved when you were, when you were young, you can pick what age you want to go with for this. Uh, well, um, man, uh, I, I think we all go through our phases, right? Yeah. I, definitely. I went through quite a few of them. Um, but, uh, <laughs> One of the mm-hmm. first ones that I remember probably is um, is uh, the Incredible Hulk. Really? Um, oh, okay. Yeah. I um, just uh, was this you know, the the Lou Ferrigno? Was there a specific <laughs> Hulk, or was there just the character in general? Um, no, it, it was the show uh, with uh, uh, Bill Bixby as mm-hmm. Bruce uh, Bruce Banner, and then uh, Lou Ferrigno. Um, I loved right. watching that show. Yeah, I. Um, and I just, I think, I was thinking about kind of uh, storytelling and, and what were the things that I, I uh, glommed onto the most or, or mm-hmm. had the biggest impression on me. And it was always, um, Kung Fu was one of those too, but it's where the person does not, uh, the hero, he does not have a, a home per mm-hmm. se, or there's, it always shows their overarching uh, story is always very clear and they're always trying to solve something for themselves but in each episode they uh, end up helping other people yeah and so I, I guess the reason why I say that is because um, at the end of each episode it was so sad yeah like, uh, the music and one reason why I got into animation too is um I minored in music and mm, okay. there's something to uh, the music that keys uh, visualization mm-hmm. um, right. in film and animation. And uh, so it kind of ties art together. And, yeah. um, and so that show just like that music, just, I felt so bad for the Hulk, you know, he was big green and <laughs> ugly and everything like that. But, uh, and it just, the military, it just made me, angry with the military and <laughs> and you know they're after him and and they were the bad guys you know and does, uh, does that love for the hulk did it did it start there and now you did you ever read the comics or watch i think there was a 90s cartoon on upn uh and then you know now the more modern version of the hulk on the in the movies are you a fan of any of those you know uh i really liked uh, i followed todd mcfarlane uh mm-hmm. when uh, when I was a kid collecting comics, but then there were so many crossovers that I just, I couldn't get wrapped up in it all. But, uh, when Todd McFarlane did the crossovers, cause I really liked Spider-Man, but when he did the whole Spider-Man team up stuff, I loved that. I loved those. And, um, I liked the Ang Lee, uh, Hulk. Oh, Not too many people the, did. That was the one right. with, um, Eric Bana, right? Yeah. And, um, uh, who played, uh, I think it was his dad, 
Uh, it was a long time that I, I've seen it. Um, mm-hmm. He plays like the, the crazy scientist that... Yeah, Nick uh, Nolte, I think. Yeah, Nick Nolte. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, it, it wasn't very well-received, but there was something about the experimentation in it that I really liked, that they did a lot of uh, cuts and like uh, comic style... Uh, yeah, um, I remember that. The screen. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's um, interesting. Jared, add this to my ever-growing origin story episode notes. I have a Nick Nolte story about one of my previous jobs when I was an appraisal inspector. <laughs> okay. okay. <So>. <laughs> noted. <laughs> Off Mark, topic, I, I, but noted. Go. Nick Nolte. Mark, you're kind of the most <laughs> mysterious person to me, so uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I have the feeling you're <laughs> full of surprises. <laughs> oh, don't you're encouraging him. I, Please don't I have encourage a color, him. I have a colorful background. Okay, well, this was we definitely milked this one. Let's see if we can uh oh, jump but to, to I have to wrap that up. Oh, I have to wrap yeah, that yeah, up because go. um I I used to um I think one reason why, you know, I think about that too is um you know, at the time it was I had these moments where like after the show I would I would be Hulk and I would Hulk out, you know, <laughs> like I would, uh, I would have these like pajamas with the uh, snaps on it and I would snap up the shirt and then I would take the, the cushions of the couch and yeah, like yeah. hold them over my head and Hulk out. And I'm oh, sure your mom so, loved that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So that's, that is one impressionable moment of my Childhood. That's hilarious. You know, it's funny because right when you said that Incredible Hulk show and and then Kung Fu, they did. That's exactly what I thought was they were both sort of they were um, unusually wistful for like the type of show that they were. Like, I think the Hulk would it always ended with him kind of walking off like sad music and then. Yeah. Like walking off to the next story or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Kung Fu well, was a little less sad, but yeah. Yeah. Well, and uh, with Kung Fu, um, it, every time like I hear. Uh, uh, certain t- like wind chimes, wind chimes, right? Like it's I want to hear some kind of wise sage advice right. coming along with it, but right, right, um, that's right. So. That was always the transition, grasshopper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you watch those, Mark? Were you uh, old enough to to catch either one of those? I mean, we when I watched Kung Fu, it was already an old show. Like we watched it in reruns and you know on afternoon TV. But did you see any of those, Mark? Nope. No, I actually had thought you were just talking in broad strokes about Kung Fu. Oh, no. <laughs> no. no, it was a specific show. All right. All right. We'll move on. Okay. Pick another number for us, Ben, between one and 20. Uh, three. Three. Uh, this is easy. What's your favorite breakfast cereal? That's yeah, pretty easy. That'll be pretty straightforward. Or is it, Jared? Could be. I could be mistaken. Actually, no, that isn't a very easy See? See? answer. See? <laughs> I mean, you can you can make this decision off of like your favorite tasting cereal, your favorite cereal with a mascot in it. You can do the combo. There's it's too many choices. It is tough. Not really. I mean, I eat eggs mostly. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, there you go. Your a- egg cereal it sounds delicious. <laughs> yeah. And if I do cereal, I'll usually mix it with yogurt. Um, I like the whole yeah, I like kind of, too. you know, uh, granola with yogurt or some yeah. kind of, uh, I, and you know, this, you know, grosses some people out, but I really like raisins. <laughs> I like raisins. So 
there you go. The, uh, it doesn't gro- gross me out. I just don't agree with you. <laughs> I'm, I'm a raisin hater. Um, well, okay. So I, I've always thought raisin bran was really gross. Um, mm. The bran flakes would get all soggy, and yep. I don't like that. Yeah. So yeah. maybe it's one of these things where I can tell you what I don't like. There you go. It's Mushy easier. raisin bran, right? So, and we can narrow it down because I like most things. Um, <laughs> just okay. Good. Okay. Did you wait, wait before we go on? Did you were you um? So I was raised off of sugar cereals mm. growing up. Like that was my breakfast probably six days a week. Um, <laughs> okay. Did you were you? Did you grow up with uh, any of those sugar cereals like Lucky Charms or Tricks or Ugh. Golden Grams? No, that wasn't hey, allowed in my house. Watch it, Jared. It, yeah. Oh, it wasn't allowed. Uh, but so probably the closest thing though was uh, Kicks and Golden Grams. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, Golden, Golden Grams are good. Yeah. And that Honey Nut Cheerios. Cereal. Yeah. So those are like the healthier. Yeah. I think if you had a, a cartoon mascot. I think if it if it came with a cartoon mascot, that's kind of considered a sugar cereal. Well, my yeah. my mom would let us get it, but we had to eat it for dessert. Like we couldn't if we did get that cereal, we couldn't eat it for breakfast because it was just ridiculous. And we never got the marshmallow cereals. I think that's kind of where the line was drawn. So uh, nothing with marshmallows. In big quotes. Okay, so let's okay. go on. Uh, we got to get through three more of these. Give me another number, one through 20. Uh, 12. Okay, 12. Uh, it's another food one. What's your favorite pizza topping? <laughs> so that might be... <laughs> that was actually uh, one of Mark's questions. Man, and, uh, I love pizza. Oh, See? good, good, good. See, Jared? Yeah. He doesn't love pizza. But that's why it makes it a difficult question. So you can say maybe what kind of pizza you order. It doesn't have to be one specific topping i guess okay well um i mean uh, this is always uh, a subject of debate so i always like bringing <laughs> it up so um uh, canadian bacon and pineapple what's your mm-hmm. take on that i like yeah, it that, that, i'm all for yeah. it that should be the question do pineapples belong on a pizza or not instead mm-hmm. of favorite topping um, so yeah, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum for that one and say, what? get fruit away from my pizza. <laughs> now, see, I, I love Canadian bacon and pineapple mm-hmm. and, oh. and, uh, I like hot sauce. I, I like hot sauce wow. on my pizza. Um, I like, yeah, uh, I, do I love fennel sausage and I can tell like if there's this fake sausagey stuff, like I can't. That is. Um, now, do you make pizza a lot, like on your own, or do you? Are you more of a takeout kind of guy? Uh, mostly takeout. Yeah. Uh, I I haven't done crust yet. I've been baking bread lately. That's oh. been my new thing. Um, yeah. I recently cool. cultivated a, a, a sourdough starter. Oh. Wow. Um, and uh, it was because uh, my dad he used to make sourdough pancakes all the time and it's one of my favorite things and so whenever i go out to a breakfast place the pancakes are always so disappointing to me and so yeah. i was like i'm gonna make the sourdough starter so that i can start making these pancakes and uh i finally did but i got more into baking bread recently mm. um and so i've been trying that a lot and 
And uh, I've never heard of sour sourdough pancakes, but I love pancakes. Breakfast is also my favorite meal. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to have to keep my eyes peeled for a place that sells sourdough pancakes because I'd love to try that. Yeah, um, there's like it's mixed with some egg. So it almost has like this. um, uh, It's like a thick crepe consistency. Mm. I don't know. That's Mm -hmm. the best way to describe it. Yeah, Jared, have you ever heard of such a thing? Yeah, I have. I don't remember if I've actually had them or not. Maybe I have. Maybe I've just seen it listed somewhere. But um, I know most most restaurant pancakes are kind of uh, nothing. It's a it's a vehicle for syrup. It tends to be so. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So, and you can never pour enough syrup on it because it yeah. absorbs it all. And right. Yeah. You're constantly. Yeah. That's basically <laughs> IHOP's whole gig is uh, <laughs> absorbent pancakes. But um, no, I, I don't think I have had sourdough. I'll have to, I'll have to look where it sounds good. Maybe and on a future episode. Or there a, you go. We'll have to do a food review. You, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Tasty oh, I time. I, I love food. I, it's, oh, okay. We'll yeah. have to have you do one of those. <laughs> um, well, you've been lucky with these food questions. Okay, we got two more. Give me another number. Uh, 15. Fifteen. Okay, you're picking them all. What's your favorite dessert, <laughs> junk food, or comfort Jeez. food? Like, <laughs> you're just going right to. But trust me, these aren't all food based questions. You're just good at. You're good at picking um, them. Uh, yeah. Why is that? I don't know. Do you have a Do you have a go to kind of junk food or guilty um, pleasure food? I, I love ice cream. Mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. I can eat ice cream pretty much any time. Can you eat that for breakfast? <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. I, you know, um, I like cold pizza for breakfast. Um, yep. I think that's I'm, a great. I'm down with that, too. Yeah. That's a great thing. Um, But uh, we digress. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, favorite junk food. I, and I, I like cookies. Um, <laughs> oh, hell yeah. I don't know. Put a I, pin in cookies. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll re, uh, return to cookie topic in a little bit. Do you have a, a favorite ice cream that you that you get regularly, or like is it a, just kind of a whatever brand you got? or a flavor? Yeah, that changes all the time. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Do you? What about you, Mark? Do you have a favorite ice cream flavor, or? Well, we mentioned this on as guests on um, the Scary Movie Ice Cream Social podcast. That's if right. You remember uh, my this? So this is literally my guilty pre- pleasure. Um, a lot of times before a workout, oh. I decide to go get my, I call it my pre-workout meal. Gross. Um, and it's, <laughs> it's a rotating ice cream sandwich from like 7-Eleven or whatever, like liquor store. Um, but one that I recently came across that I talked about on the Scary Movie podcast was this like M&M ice cream sandwich. So it's a sugar cookie. With M&M's in it, so that's the either side of the sandwich, and then vanilla ice cream in the center. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that I, sounds I amazing. See, I can't see how you it eat is. that before working out, though. Doesn't that yeah. dairy don't, make don't you all think, like... Don't think about <sighs> it. <laughs> well, this was all... This was... This was this was 2017, Mark. We, we've had a, a change in year. Oh, I see. That came a new resolution to try to get away from those pre-workout meals. Okay. (laughs) All right. See how, how long that lasts. Yeah. Oh, Um, Hey, um, you know, uh, since I've, I've been, um, 
I'm actually I'm in the the Michigan right now, and um, mm -hmm. the whole Great Lakes thing. Have you guys ever <laughs> had? Um, there's this really oh, great Superman uh, ice cream. There's well, <laughs> uh, no, no. Um, oh, sorry. Uh, have you seen that Mackinac <laughs> Island movie with Christopher Reeve? Um, the Penny what's one. That uh, he goes back in time. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Somewhere in he, time. Yeah, somewhere in time. That's it. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, Edmund Fitzgerald, the the boat, the ship that that wrecked. There's a really <laughs> great uh, porter. Um, that Great Lakes Brewing Company comes out with called uh, Edmund Fitzgerald Porter. Mm. Well, there's a uh, uh, kind of a local ice cream place here called uh, Mitchell's. Um, mm -hmm. And I got to know it because I was teaching in Cleveland, Ohio for a while at uh, um, in the animation department at Cleveland Institute of Art. Um, oh, okay. And this is the old industrial art school. So they were cranking out students for... Um, uh, the, the car companies. Um, and mm. it's, it's not to be confused with, uh, art Institute. It's Cleveland Institute of art. So <laughs> okay, a, a long history. Uh, but, uh, an old colleague of mine, um, we got to know each other cause I was doing some, uh, uh, e-cards for American greetings. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we ended up going to Cleveland to take care of, uh, to help my uh, wife's grandmother and uh, uh, I I talked to him because I knew he was in Cleveland and um, he said I said uh, I'm gonna be in Cleveland what are you doing these days and could you use any help uh, I'd be looking for some work and he said well I'm now the head of the animation department at the school here where I where I went to school and and he said oh would you be interested in teaching so oh. I ended up uh, helping uh, with uh, figure drawing, and then uh, acting and directing, and uh, visual development classes. Uh, and I got to co-teach those, and that was great. Um, oh, cool. That was a lot of fun. Um, and so that's how I got to know uh, Mitchell's Ice Cream. <laughs> and uh, uh, they had this ice cream called um, uh, Edmund Fitzgerald Porter Ice Cream. Ooh. And so it had these uh, chocolate chunks and then it was this vanilla ice cream with mixed with the porter. Oh. And it it was amazing. So, so. what was the flavor like then? Did it did it have that porter taste or was it sort of backgroundy light? It it was it had that porter taste. Um, oh, interesting. But it was in the background. Have you ever had a porter uh uh float? No. Ice cream float? No. Oh yeah. <laughs> that that's pretty amazing. Um I got to know those in Portland, Oregon. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, uh, and there was this uh, a brewery, McMinimins, up there, and they had that on their menu as a porter float. I've heard about those more now, though, people doing, like, beer floats and things like that. So that's, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe that's that another one. awful. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, last question. Last one. We got one more. Pick one more number. We've. I can review them here if you need to. But Okay, <laughs> Um. let's see. How about uh, we'll do 17? 17. Okay, good. Non-food one. Your first <laughs> non-food question. What was the last film that you saw in the theater? It wasn't the... the was it Star, Star Wars? Wars? <laughs> it's probably uh, a safe or, bet. Or was it um, the, the Greatest Show? Uh, oh, um, yeah. It was, it was Star Wars. Okay. Um. 
I, do you go to the movies a lot? Uh, fairly often. I try to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, I, I still have not seen um, uh, The Shape of Water. Mm. Uh, I want to go see that. Yeah. Yeah. But it I wasn't like showing it. everywhere. So. Yeah, even in my area, it's very limited showing still. A lot of these Oscar films still are very limited right now. But uh, Mark, you I, saw I think, The Greatest Showman, right? Am I saying yes. that right? Okay. So what yeah, did you think of that do. film? We haven't even talked about that one yet. <laughs> I, was, I actually wanted it to be like the music aspect of it. I wanted more music and it to be more poppy, like more catchy. Mm. It was it wasn't it wasn't. Um, I don't really know how to describe it. Maybe Ben can help me out here, but I feel like it, like on one hand it was relatively catchy, but I was, I don't know. I'm a sucker as our listeners know for pop music. So I was kind of hoping it would be a little bit popular because that's kind of how they slated it in a lot of the previews, Mm. but it didn't turn out to be that, that much in it. So I don't know. What did you think, Ben? Yeah. Uh, you're kind of hoping that it was more of, uh, uh, (laughs) High School Musical. Zach Efron was in there. <laughs> they had it. Well, like a, and Zendaya, a more, who's also a Disney Channel star. A little more modern take on the music. Um, mm. I, I found that the music it was uh, it was actually really good in that it just it supported the story. Mm. Um, so at no yeah, point, yeah, definitely did. Yeah, it, and I can see what you're saying, Mark. I don't feel like the music was too memorable in the fact that yeah, I, I felt like it served as a vehicle to take you to tell you the story. Mm, so yes. in that, I thought it was very good in the fact that um, I, I felt like it helped tell the story and it helped move from one scene to the next. And never at any point did I feel like I was listening to this music and being like, oh, when are they going to be done with this song so we can just see the story play out? Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like it was very seamless in, in that the music helped tell the story and vice versa. You know, I, I thought right. they supported each other pretty well. So. It's funny because I think if it, I would probably complain if it didn't help push the story along, if it was just like isolated singles in the story. <laughs> um, and now that it wasn't, I'm complaining on the other end. <laughs> right. But the, the opening sequence, like, so I was kind of on the edge. Like, I didn't know if I was going to be really into the movie or not. But the opening sequence, I saw that and was like, okay, I'm I'm totally, I'm all in for this movie. Yeah, yeah. That that was the same with me. Um, and I tend to like, I remember movies more these days that are like that. Uh, just because I don't go in with any expectation as to what this is yeah. going to be like. Um, mm-hmm. And so then I find that I'm more uh, uh, pleasantly surprised when I'm done and being like, oh, that was like, you know, that took me on a, a great journey, you know? Mm-hmm. So Okay, well, I'm going to have to definitely have to see it. Like, I, I had no idea, like, it was such a, like, a musical musical. I, I knew there were musical elements, but I only, only recently did I discover that it was such a, like a, like a Moulin Rouge kind of musical uh, film. So um, yeah. I'll have to check it out. Uh, all right. Okay. So we so finally made it past the, that, the, the rapid fire air quotes there <laughs> questions. Uh, it only took us like 20, 25 minutes. Yeah. That was great because see, he had good answers to give. So there you go. <laughs> um, so I said, what we're going to put a pin there, in Jared? the cookies. 
Just water. There we go. <laughs> Nothing exciting. <laughs> he, he just likes to have it in cool mugs. <laughs> um, but I said that we were going to put a pin in the cookies. And before we get too deep into the, the interview portion of this, um, I wanted to bring up the fact that Ben is going to be in our Cute Couples show, which is our next gallery show. Um, and it will be held at a cookie store. So Doe and Arrow in Costa Mesa, California on February 10th will be the opening reception. Um, and you will be able to see Benjamin Birch's work on the wall. So like I said, cookies, I love them. Uh, so this is going to be a really fun show. Uh, I think actually all three of us are going to have a piece in the show. Can, uh, can Ben say what uh, his cute couple was? Or is he can. he can? What did you do for the show, Ben? Uh, well, um, maybe I'll just say that uh, I was in, I've been inspired <laughs> by Sailor Jerry tattoos recently, so mm-hmm. I'll just say that uh, uh, I tied that into um, the couple I chose. So awesome, that's great. I think A that's pretty, <laughs> pretty <laughs> obvious, but yeah. I mailed that out to you guys today, actually. Um, oh, oh cool. great, very From, cool from here um it's 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 uh, uh i gave it to a a fur trapper who was on his uh log raft <laughs> floating down the river so he'll get it to you guys <laughs> by next week <laughs> very good so do you do a lot of uh do you do a lot of art shows or like these sort of gallery shows where you're contributing either you know a few pieces or um, like usually they're pop culture themed do you do a lot of these throughout the year um, n- no. Um, and, uh, when I first got into, uh, I, you know, I never even did a lot of gallery shows, uh, throughout college. I, I wanted to get into animation, the animation industry. That was kind of my main focus. Um, mm-hmm. but as I got into the animation industry, that was when I was like, well, I want to start on my spare time focusing on my own work because I mm-hmm. felt like, uh, I was, I didn't know when one, my job would end on whatever it was I was working on. And two, mm-hmm. that changed all the time. And three, it was always for some somebody else. So I felt like it was important to uh, cultivate my own um, uh, body of work. So, uh, you know, I think like, like any uh, good story that we may, you know, talk about, it's we all have our own stories where it's it's an overarching story of our life within all these o- other little arcs mm-hmm. and um i feel like uh my right. my animation career has been like a a crazy roller coaster ride uh but i i do feel like my own personal work has taken it's it's gradually gone up 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 and up and up and mm-hmm. uh, and I feel like whether it it helps me pay the bills or not, which it it's an investment. Eventually, it it's been uh, helping me in the long run, which has mm-hmm. led me to Wonderground Gallery. Uh, yeah. Which when I got into uh, animation, Wonderground Gallery artist never even came into my head. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I really started knocking on Disney's doors and I thought, you know, my 
style is pretty graphic. Where would I fit in? Um, and the more art I started doing on my own, I feel like I started getting put into a category of, of a lot of animation places looking at my portfolio being like, well, we, we like your work, but where do we put you, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so that has been a little bit more challenging, but at the same time, as I've kept investing in, in my own work, things have fallen in my lap um, mm -hmm. more like Wonderground Gallery. Um, you know, I had been knocking on consumer product stores for forever, you know, just yeah. emailing them every now and then and just trying to get in there. And mm -hmm. I never, never heard back or the timing is just, you know, the stars have to align. Um, yep. Yep. And uh, uh, then I got this call out of the blue um, and uh, they said, uh, would you be interested in being a contributing artist at Wonderground? And I was like, oh, that sounds great. You must have heard from from so-and-so who I've been, you know, trying to get a hold of all this time. And they're like, no, we don't know who that is. Uh, we saw your <laughs> stuff on Etsy, you know? Right, right. Uh, mm. So we liked your, your travel posters and uh, we saw it on Etsy. And so we're wondering, it's the kind of stuff we like to have in the gallery. And, mm -hmm. and uh, so... I feel like um how early was that um in Wonderground career cuz I know so Jared you were there from the beginning at Wonderground mm -hmm. so when they approached you uh Ben was the gallery had already existed for a period and you were familiar with what Wonderground was No I didn't know what Wonderground was uh I I just uh you know they just explained it to me and I said oh that sounds great and um I mean I had <laughs> I had done some of my own gallery shows after that or since before that. And mm -hmm. so the idea of being a contributing gallery artist and getting to do Disney, uh, Disney licensed Anything. material <laughs> in my own style just yeah. mm -hmm. uh, sounded great. You know, mm -hmm. so, so yeah. I do want to talk more about Wonderground and I think we'll kind of end up there. I, I want to go back a little bit just to kind of talk a little bit about your, your journey to that point, uh, because kind of the stuff that you said around, that's interesting how these opportunities, uh, kind of come out of nowhere. Like, uh, I'm, I'm the same as you. It wasn't something you, you know, you didn't grow up dreaming of working or having your work in the Wonderground gallery because it didn't exist. So it, it's interesting how these things pop up, but you've already mentioned a few times how you started off, uh, with animation in mind. So I was wondering mm -hmm. if we can kind of go back to that. Like what made you want to go into animation as a profession? Oh, well, um, uh, the Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner show. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I loved, uh, you know, those Maurice Noble backgrounds, uh, mm -hmm. first and foremost. And, um, it was always kind of stuck with me, but, I remember, you know, when I was uh, five, I would draw while I watched those. And uh -huh. uh, I told my dad, I said, Dad, I want to work in cartoons. Yeah. And uh -huh. I didn't know what that meant. Right. Um, and uh, it, it, the the magic has been replaced with hard realities of life <laughs> or whatever. But uh, it just, I think... You know, it was something that in, in high school, I didn't want to do that. I, I started playing bass and I wanted to play in a rock band. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And uh, it wasn't until, you know, in, and in high school, I was also, uh, I was 
skiing and in the ski patrol and I wanted to be in a ski area. So I moved to Colorado and took a year. I didn't even go to college and Mm. just, I was a ski bum for a year. Um, and then I started (laughs) snowboarding too. And I was like, Oh, I can get a season pass. It's great. Um, then I, I just, um, you know, after a, a season of that, I, I started, you know, uh, realizing, well, maybe there's, I should check out this college thing. And so I went to college, you know, in Fort Lewis in Durango, Colorado, which is near, it's in the mountains and in near Purgatory Ski Area. And uh, so that kind of influenced where I went to school too. But um, I just took drawing media and I said, okay, now I'm in college. And it didn't occur to me to do anything else other than art. Um, and music because I was still playing bass and I wanted to, to know what I was doing, uh, more. And so I ended up minoring in music if, as if art was not hard enough to make a living at. No kidding. So (laughs) get making money was probably never my, my goal. Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) but, um, and in college I just, uh, there was no animation program or anything like that. Um, so I just took all the drawing media classes and mm-hmm. I just took tons mm-hmm. of figure drawing classes because I wanted to, uh, I used to draw my own characters and come up with my own characters. Um, I just, uh, you know, and I loved watching animation, uh, animated films and 2D animation and, and everything. And so I just took drawing media and I didn't even get into painting so much. Uh, so I don't want to glaze over this part, but you say you brought or you worked on a lot of your own characters. Is that something that as you learn more about animation and art in general, you wanted to pursue something in maybe character development um, or character design? Well, yeah. Um, I, well, and, you know, this is kind of leads me to when I finally got into, uh, animation which after after I went graduated from school I didn't know what I was going to do with mm-hmm. my bachelor's of arts and how I get into animation how does that lead to that and there was a, a summer semester of animation like uh, Parsons School of Design in New York um, mm-hmm. does uh, summer semesters and uh, so a friend of mine and I uh, we were buddies in college and he was an illustration major too. And, and we always just kind of, uh, pushed each other, uh, to, to just be better. Um, And it, it, I really have been blessed, uh, through my career to have those kinds of people in my life, uh, that to, to push each other. And, and, uh, I, I like having that kind of camaraderie, um, Mm -hmm. But, uh, so we, had, we took the train from Denver, Colorado to New York and, Ooh. uh, yeah, it was, <laughs> by the time we reached Chicago, we were wondering why we had done this thing, so, <laughs> uh, but it gave us time to, I storyboarded a whole, um, a whole short, uh, on that, that train trip. Um, and so by the time we were in Parsons, we kind of had an idea as to what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually most of our, our classmates were still in high school and their parents had sent them here to decide if they wanted to go to Parsons or not. Whereas mm-hmm. we'd already graduated college and we, we were focused on what we wanted to do. Yeah. And so uh, I got to know 
the instructors at Parsons uh, work professionally. Um, so I, you know, long story short, I ended up staying in New York for two years and my short got me a job at Nickelodeon. So I worked on Little Bill. Um, but uh, I, and Little Bill was animated in, in uh, After Effects. Mm. And I didn't want, want to do that. I wanted to draw, you know? And, right, uh, right. So I wanted to be an assistant animator. And, but when I started doing that, that, job was phasing out mm -hmm. you know uh i think you know iron giant had had come that year um and you know that uh just being an in-betweener was not you know it didn't last very long after that until well i did some serial commercials um and, yeah uh, bring it back back, <laughs> back to you mark i, I did some <laughs> honey nut cheerios commercials actually um later really? on in my yeah in portland oregon yeah at uh Will Vinton Studios, but uh, did they make you try the cereal before? Uh, <laughs> he said he had to Cheerios. let you know. Yeah, but no, Honey Nut Cheerios was allowed in my it? house. Mark. Yeah, that one was okay. <laughs> that one was okay. Yeah. So on the Cheerios commercials, were you doing the two D B stuff, or uh, was this something something else that you were doing for the commercial? Yeah, the two D B. Um, and actually, I, I think uh, as as CG became I think, you know, whenever they redesign a serial commercial icon, they, they just, all they do is they just render them more, you mm -hmm. know, it just, they, they make them look more 3d. Right. So, right. uh, uh, thus the, the B had all these tone maps. So there's a, uh, you know, a drop shadow on him and yeah. then a, a highlight. So I was animating tones. Oh, wow. So <laughs> you didn't, <laughs> I was just animating. You're just tracking the tone with yeah. the B, so that <laughs> it's all on different layers, and then you scan those in. And so um, that's crazy. Uh, I I remember watching that on the like behind the scenes of Roger Rabbit when they had to do the pass over to make it look more like he was integrated into the live action stuff. They did all of that highlighting and the uh, you know the shadowing and things like that. And that is just crazy. That must have been. Yeah extremely tedious work to do it it was it was um yeah it, but you know as commercials go um i was hired on freelance and all those times i always really needed the job anyway and then sure. they lasted you know a couple weeks uh or if there was a series of them to do maybe three i would be on for a month or two um mm -hmm. and so uh, I was always very grateful for the work. Um, of course, but, yeah. But yeah, it it wasn't my favorite work. So when you were going to go into animation, what what aspect? I, mean, I think a lot of us start off thinking we're going to go into animation, usually because we're such fans of the medium or the movie or the studio. Um, did you think you wanted to do actual character animation, or were you going to be more of like a background layouts guy or like what, what part of it was the most interesting to you at that stage? I didn't know. I was working at uh, Augenblick studios and he quit MTV to start his own studio. He had been working on Beavis mm. and Butthead and Daria. Mm -hmm. Um, and after a mm -hmm. couple seasons at Daria, he decided to start his own studio. And uh, he would ask me the same thing. And he said, well, you're really good at, uh, at we were converting one of his SVA comics into a, a Flash cartoon. 
Mm-hmm. And so uh, we had to cut out the characters and finish the backgrounds. And he said, well, you're really good at backgrounds. Uh, you could be a, a good background artist. And I was like, I guess. Uh, sounds good. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know the separation of, of jobs, which uh, L.A. Is, is good for that. Like you really learn what has become the industry standard. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, so I think that's one thing that has um, – I've taken – uh, this road less traveled because of my interest in so many different things. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, my in-betweening led to interest in character. And so then I did character designs at, uh, in, in Oregon at Bent Image Lab um, for, a, a, it's a commercial house. And so I was doing character designs for, I don't know if you remember, um, the Tough Actin to Actin football guys. That they played uh-huh. it. Yeah. It was a stop motion thing, and he had like a foot monster because his foot is on fire. Yeah, you know, yep. with his athlete's foot, you know, he needs <laughs> to uh, So that was a stop motion <laughs> thing, and so I was doing uh, character designs for that, and then um, storyboards, just pre-production stuff uh, because they didn't have two D stuff all the time, and in a stop motion place, it, it's not. It's, it's more like a, uh, how things are today with CG, where animators don't necessarily know how to draw. Um, mm-hmm. They anim- so, uh, And then there's fabricators, you know. So that's when I started really realizing that the jobs are really segregated along the pipeline. Um, mm-hmm. And working at Bent Image Lab was a really great education. Um, and that's a- actually uh, Pascal Campion hired me there oh Um, oh wow yeah he was a director um and i liked his animation his animation was on their website and i really liked it and he was the only one doing 2d stuff and i was like that's what i'm interested in and so i just showed up at the studio and i told them that i was and you know the receptionist she was there can i help you and you know, it's not like <laughs> Warner Brothers or any of the places in L.A. where there's the, the gate and security guard and everything. And, uh, <laughs> right. You just walk in, you know, and, and yeah. I, uh, the receptionist, Alex, she said, uh, can I help you? And I said, yes, I'm here to see Pascal Campion. And uh, <laughs> she said, uh, well, do you have an appointment? Is he expecting you? And I said, no. And uh, so <laughs> she said, well, well, just hold on. And so she went back and, and she... Uh, uh, came back out and said, uh, he'll see you. And I said, okay. Wow. And so I followed her back to <laughs> pretty his bossy. office. <laughs> yeah. But, well, at the time, you know, it's, uh, the environment kind of lent itself to it. I, I, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't seem too, well, I, I wanted to work there, you know, and, and yeah, no, it's, so, it's a smart move. Yeah. It, and so I, you well, know, b- before you get into the meeting with Pascal, um, I want to ask you what, like obviously you put forethought into this. So what was everything that you put into preparation for this, this meeting? Um, like, did you put together a portfolio? Did you have a pitch in mind? Um, what sort of stuff did you do before you went there to get ready for this potential meeting? Ah, uh, yeah. So, um, I did, I, I had put together a portfolio of uh my my artwork at the time and then i had a demo reel too um which was i had it on a 
I, I had transferred it from VHS tape to, <laughs> to uh, DVD. So to give you an idea of where things were at technologically. <laughs> and, uh, so, but I had that out in my car. Uh, so I had worked on all this 2D stuff already and uh he was the only one doing 2d work there and um i really liked his work and i knew that i could uh clean be a cleanup artist or assistant animator and and his sense of motion and a lot of people most people know him for his drawings a day um Mm -hmm. and his his light direction and and his beautiful work and gestural work but he's a really good animator too Hmm. um and, and so, it, you know, so uh, the receptionist led me into his office and, and uh, you know, he's, he's such a gracious guy. And um, so uh, he said, thanks, Alex. And when the receptionist left, he closed the door and turned around and he said, so who are you? <laughs> so i mean he he didn't even know me but he he let me meet him and and uh i gave him um uh you know we talked and i told him what i did and and uh he said well um you should bring your your portfolio in your reel by sometime and i'll take a look at it and i said mm-hmm. oh funny you should mention that it's in my car right now so, <laughs> uh, i went out and got it and gave it to him and he uh he actually I don't remember him saying much about my reel. It was my portfolio that he he uh, he really took more to. interesting. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Did that lead to that led to a job with the studio or a contract or what? What became of that meeting? Uh, well, <laughs> it was funny because I started uh, a <laughs> a drummer in my band at the time. He was a, <laughs> a winemaker, and so I got a job at a winery. Uh, okay. in the meantime um and uh so that was uh i was working at argyle and i worked there for a few months and uh, then i had was pulling brush in la pavion uh down in dundee oregon um and i i really was having like my walk in the clouds moment you know where it's like uh, <laughs> this is it uh, i don't need forget animation. It's a pain in the neck. Getting a job is impossible. I'm tired of it. And I love this wine business stuff and, you know, cleaning Mm -hmm. barrels and running around the winery and running uh, a liquid to tank to barrel and and all this stuff. It was great. And, and I was still doing that when I had that meeting with Pascal. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was funny. uh, The Pascal's producer on the Ritz spots, he was a, he's a wine aficionado. Um, uh, and, uh, so, um, <laughs> after I actually, you know, he called me up, Anthony, um, Anthony Green, and, um, he said, uh, we would This like- is not the same Anthony Green from Seosin, is it? If you don't know what that is, the answer is no. <laughs> Seosin. Yeah. What is that, Mark? What are you... I don't know Seosin. Seosin's the, uh, it's a band. Anthony Green's the lead singer of Seosin. Oh, no, no. No, <laughs> no uh, he, Anthony Green, he's in, I think he's in San Francisco now. Um, he's always worked uh, in the entertainment. I haven't talked to him in a while, but yeah, really nice guy. Um, but uh he was really into wine and, and, uh, he, but he gave me a call and he's like, well, and this was 
couple months later and when I had just written it all off, I was just like, mm-hmm. this is what I'm going to be doing. I, I like this, you know? And, uh, he called me up and he said, uh, we, we would like you to, um, work on these writ spots. And I'm like, well, can you give me a couple weeks? Um, cause once, once that job came in, I was like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to go do that. Right. You know? and <laughs> so I, I don't, I, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't about to just refuse them and say no. Um, mm-hmm. But I told Anthony, you know, I, I've got this job now. I'm working as a seller assistant at a winery. And he's like, ooh, wine. And so yeah. uh, I think, you know, we, we had a connection um, with that whole thing. And uh, so then I started, I worked on these uh, Ritz cracker spots with Pascal. um, so then i started working at bent on and off and then pascal left and so i started doing some of the 2d stuff and then when the 2d stuff wasn't there i was doing i was storyboarding and doing design for stop motion stuff so okay yeah and so (laughs) i and that doesn't even get me to background painting and then background <laughs> design. So, which is what I've mostly been doing these days. Um, so, one of the big projects that you've worked on is a is a series of little golden books, which I think is um for a lot of illustrators and artists out there, uh, that's a big goal for people to work on that brand. Maybe maybe not even from a, you know a money perspective or anything like that, but just because the brand is so beloved by so many authors. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how you got that gig where did they come to you uh, through an agency or was this something that uh, because of your association with the animation industry uh, that they found you through that way? Like how did that come about? Um, well, that, uh, that came about through CTN. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. I started vending at CTN and uh, I was selling my, my art prints, my travel posters. Um, and uh, I just, um, uh, I think someone had recommended that uh, I talk to Nickelodeon, but not Nickelodeon, the animation studio, but Nick Publishing, mm-hmm. um, which is based in New York. And, and uh, that was uh, uh, Russell Spina. He uh, uh-huh. he was there doing the, the Nick booth. And I just, I just went to the booth before uh, the doors opened one morning um, and sat down and chatted with him and gave him a, a book of mine. Uh, with my work in it and and so we just kind of stayed in touch and I think you know after that one meeting it was probably six months to a year before something came up Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that was Wally Kazam and so I ended up doing three Wally Kazam books and then the uh, Blaze Blaze and his monster machines Um, so yeah that and that was another one of those things where I never thought that a career in animation would lead to doing little golden books, which uh, a, lo- a lot of those unexpected things end up being more greater than your expectations. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How but, how was it working on that project specifically, though? Was it a was it a difficult process, or did it go pretty smoothly? No, it went really smoothly. Um, and I think uh, it's weird uh, because Little Golden Books is uh, uh, a random house. Uh, publishing mm-hmm. company thing. So the uh, Nickelodeon publishing is the go between. And then uh, you end up talking to someone at Random House because they manage the schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they send your work to Nickelodeon, uh, like art directors on the show. 
of mm-hmm. whatever um, whatever property you're working on. So it, it really is up to the art directors of the show as to what they want to see in the Little Golden Book. Um, so I think everybody is uh, Little Golden Book style is so broad now because um, uh, I think you know a lot of this, like say Disney Little Golden Books, they have in-house people doing it because they want the character to be uh, perfectly on model and everything like this. Uh, mm. But like. Uh, for example, the Wally Kazan books that I did, they were very open to, uh, you know, reinterpreting the uh, the character um, and changing his style a little bit into my style. And uh, so, um, you know, the director, uh, Jeff Tucker, he's really good guy. And um, he was very open to just seeing Wally in, in my own style. So that was mm-hmm. a lot of fun to work on. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Blaze was a little more, uh, Blaze was a little more, um, there were a little more restrictions on that one. Um, and there've also been other artists that have done the Blaze book. So I think they wanted to have that fall into line with each other. Sure. And even my Blaze is, looks a lot different than, than some other Blazes that were super highly rendered. And I saw it you know, some of the artists that worked on that, it's like, oh, that's amazing. How'd you do that? You know, it's just, <laughs> yeah. You know. you know, you mentioned earlier, though, that you were uh, sort of applying uh, to uh, Walt Disney or to Disney consumer products. Um, like, what were you looking to, like, what was the goal with approaching that division of the company as opposed to, say, animation? Was merchandise design or something like that? Was that something that you wanted to do or you were you after a more specific uh, position or job within that group? Um, I, I just, I felt that that might be instead of uh, animation, I thought that that might be a division that I would fit well in. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I, I really do think, um, you know, uh, it really is a two way street um, when there's a successful uh uh, job um, happening is it's the person hiring and uh, the artist looking for the work. So I never, mm-hmm. I never take anything too personally that way because uh, I think everybody's just trying to figure it out um, and uh, <clears throat> to try and, you know, make this artistic thing, which is not all the time uh, organic be uh lucrative uh mm-hmm. so it's <laughs> to trying to find this this right chemistry between it all so um uh, but um you know i got to to know also that disney consumer products depending on what it is they're very uh on model and they they do uh, and i could be wrong but i've actually started thinking more about um uh, uh, doing more visual development, um, mm-hmm. which is was one of my last jobs was for DreamWorks TV, doing some, uh, some visual development um, for one of their their uh, things they're trying out, um, and that was a lot of fun. You know, yeah, that was probably you my. You have you have a really colorful um, artistic background here, but I think what a lot of our listeners are really interested in Wonderground, so we. Before we wrap up, I wanted to finish by asking you this. And this is something that Jared normally asks, but (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, if you so you kind of mentioned it earlier that they contacted you through Etsy. Um, but do you have any specific tips to anybody that might be interested in showing their work at Wonderground, whether that be something um, developing a style or how to showcase their work? Um, just any sort of generic tips on anybody uh, that may be interested yeah. in working with Wonderground? Uh, open an Etsy store? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. After doing this for 15 plus years, I don't. Like, I still am the person asking those questions, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I just think you you always have to do, you have to approach all of your artwork as if you're doing it for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, um, you know, uh, when when you put that kind of passion into your own work, people will see that and they'll see that... Uh, they can trust you with whatever it is that they're going to give you to get it done. Um, and that's the most important thing. And it's, it's, uh, to just, um, treat everything like it's your own work. And I think that's one reason why, you know, I, I keep doing my own work, uh, is because that's, you know, where your heart is. And, mm -hmm. and so, and that's why, uh, I was called, um, to, right for that. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I had been told that several times and it sounds cliche, but I, I think, you know, cliches are there for a reason because right. people can tell it to you and tell it to you, but you don't, you don't realize it until you actually do it. That's like, um, I think that's exactly right. I think yeah. you don't understand the cliche until you're on sort of that other side of it. Um, <laughs> when you, and then you you're giving sort of it. Yeah, and then you spout it back because now you understand. Yeah. But that's a, I think that's a good answer because I get that question all the time, which I'm sure you do too about getting into Wonderground. And and nobody, as we've discovered just doing the show, no one has a good answer for that because everyone has come in through different ways. People have found them through, through different means. Um, but I know when you're trying to get into the gallery, it sounds like we're being evasive or coy or not giving away a secret or something, but <laughs> yeah, it, it really is like, you just, I tell them you just have to do good work and they're going to find you like that. That really is it. Like you can yeah. throw your portfolio at them every week if you want, but you know, until you're doing something that's sort of interesting or personal or, or something, you know, they're not going to find you. So uh, I yeah. appreciate that. That answer was, did you find it? Like for me, when I first was doing the first pieces for Wonderground, I, I found it sort of daunting, like to sit down and say, I'm going to create something for a Disney gallery. Did you find any pressure? I think, was the Pinocchio piece one of your first pieces? No, um, I had done a series of like four uh, theme park uh, scenes. Okay. Um, and they were really kind of collage-y and, yeah. and out, um, like just more representational. Um, like the Frontierland one was that? One uh, I did a, a Frontierland. I did a, a Adventureland, mm -hmm. and uh, I did an Enchanted Tiki Hut, and they were really kind of um, just more abstract. And uh, yeah, uh, when they said, uh, "Yeah, you can do whatever you want," I found that very hard because. Yeah, my mind was just going in all these directions. It's like, what am I? What am I going to do? And mm -hmm. and am I going to screw it up? And right. Like right. because 
with with all of this material at my fingertips, oftentimes when you have too many choices is when you just do something that sucks. Right. Uh, I, I like I actually like limitations, uh, and I, I'll put them on myself um, mm-hmm. if I have a hard time, you know. Uh, starting something um oftentimes i'll see in my head what i'm trying to do uh but getting started um or if it's not going in a direction that i like i'll restrict my color use or or something like that and so along that lines uh with the disney material it was just everywhere and it's like well am i going to do characters or am i going to do the theme park you know right yeah so I've done a little theme park and I've done a little characters and now I've gone back to theme park. And so, uh, I, I have not had an opportunity to do as much for them as I would like. Uh, but Mm -hmm. I think, um, I, I'm trying, I still feel like I'm, I'm developing a style for them and, and to have that opportunity to do that in that environment has been, uh, in itself is, is I'm pretty fortunate. Um, yeah. So I just, I don't know how long it'll last, you know? Um, right. Well, I think, so that, I think that's true for everybody. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just got to write yeah. it out and hope it lasts as long as you want it to. Uh, but you know, I, I knew I was going to have this talk with you guys and I, I was trying to figure out what it, we was going to talk about. Cause you know, I've been at another crossroads at, in my career and, Wondering, well, you know, I I feel like my my career has just been a huge mess. Um, <laughs> but um, we and, like and, to say colorful, well, <laughs> and eclectic. I, I, yeah, I and I've kind of seen it though as like because um, a lot of kids will come up to me and their portfolios are are gorgeous and they're like, I want to be a character designer and I I want to do this and I was like, well, you know what? When I was your age, I wasn't even half as focused as you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but I, I think, you know, I, I feel like I've, you know, subconsciously chosen to, uh, hack my way through the forest with, with, uh, a machete, you know, mm-hmm. and try and, uh, find my own path, even, even though it's, uh, pain in the neck. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, um, I, I'm kind of similar to you for me. I always look at it as like, I think the internet, (laughs) that sounds so old, but the internet changed a lot of stuff. And it seems like Mm. these kids are getting a much quicker start. Uh, they're far beyond where I was at that point. And I think a lot of it was because I just didn't know, like the information wasn't so yeah. uh, available to know that there are all these different divisions of these companies that you want to work for. It's not just animation or advertising. It's like there's this gray area all in between there where you can just find a spot. And it seems like they are finding their spot earlier and working towards that where I think I was more like you. I, I bounced around. I kind of hovered around the the art career, but never quite sunken until more recently. So now I feel behind, you know, I'm like, I wish I was at this point 10 years ago, but, um, but just hearing you talk about this now, you've had such an interesting career and I I think you can't help but learn stuff uh, the entire way, whether that's making wine or, uh, you know, barging into Pascal Mm -hmm. Campion's office and demanding an interview. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's all great experience. So we'll probably have to have you back to explore more about this stuff, but I know we're already running a little long. Yeah. So, like I said before, you have a very colorful 
history and career. Um, and I feel like we just barely cracked or, you know, scratched the surface. There you go. That's, that's, that's the one. <laughs> um, but before we go, I do want to say thank you so much to Benjamin Birch for coming on today and spending time with us. Uh, like I said, there's so much more I feel like we could get into with him. So we will have to find uh, an excuse to get you back on the show sometime. Um, but I think that's it for today. Uh, Jared, you have anything before we sign nope. off? Nope. Thank you, Benjamin, for coming on. That's it. We mm. will uh, we'll be back with uh, the next episode. It's going to be our wrap-up episode, I believe. So a lot of exciting there things on yeah. that. So make sure you tune in for that one. Well, thanks, you guys, for right. having me. It was a lot of fun and, and any time. You know? Absolutely. A lot of fun chatting with you guys. So. Sure thing. All right. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you later. Hopefully I, okay, hopefully I recorded this all.